Lord. My tolerance is like a paediatrician. I have little patience. You get it. That's my joke for today. There it is. You've heard it. Excellent. Got that over and done with. Tick that box. Good. Um, my brother's a paediatrician, as it turns out. Uh, I haven't cracked that joke with him. Maybe I should. I think he'd find it funnier than you guys did. Um, all right. Well, you know, Don Carson, I've, I've uh, mentioned a couple of his books beforehand. Um, he, uh, he's a Canadian writer, theologian. Basically, whatever he writes is really good. Uh, he's written a book giving it the title, The Intolerance of Tolerance. The Intolerance of Tolerance. It's a good title, isn't it? It's a very interesting book. I recommend it. It's not huge, uh, very readable. Uh, Yeah, worth reading. Now, for many people, especially for Christians, it sums up pretty well what they experience and feel. That tolerance is meant to work both ways, right? But that, that these days, well, when it comes to tolerance towards Christians, it's more intolerance than tolerance. People are becoming less tolerant of followers of Jesus, of Christians. But I wonder whether sometimes this is for good reason. I wonder whether sometimes we deserve it. But also wonder whether this is something we should expect. Should we expect Christians, or should Christians expect to be treated fairly? In a different generation, uh, grumpy adults used to say, children are to be seen and not heard. Uh, maybe Christians today are to be not seen and not heard. I don't know. If you spend some time reading the comments section, dangerous work this, but if you spend some time reading the comments section on um, news articles posted on, face, on, on social media, say Facebook, then it's not just antagonism, which is the title of today, antagonism toward Christians, it's vitriol, it's downright anger towards Christians. But the good news is, and yes, there is good news, that this is nothing new. It's nothing new, as we read in 1 Peter, for example, as we follow the adventures of Peter and as the eyewitness to the cross. The Christians Peter wrote to were experiencing, well, antagonism plus some. Following Jesus didn't just mean you were the victim of intolerance. Following Jesus, like many Christians in our world today, meant that your life was at risk. Now, friends, I want to just press the pause button for a minute. Can we do that? I know you've been following very well for the first minute or so. Press the pause button. I'd finished writing this sermon. I had, you know, sermon-wise, I had a pretty busy week. I got one for borrowing and AGM stuff happening. and So I tried to finish this late Thursday night, which is pretty early for me, because um, I know I had another one to write. And Anyway... Uh, Friday morning, did a bit of tidying up. I knew I'd have to do a few things on Saturday morning to finish stuff. But then the events of Friday happened in Christchurch in New Zealand. And I want to tell you, I felt torn. I'll try to explain why. I've been trying to explain this to Michelle and I don't think I really nailed it, so hopefully I'll explain why now. I felt torn because I didn't want to water down the reality of life for so many Christians in this world today when it comes to persecution and intolerance towards them. I felt torn because I didn't want to seem like I was diminishing the horror of what happened on Friday via Facebook, literally, where the world witnessed uh, what happened. 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I felt torn because I didn't want to seem like I was diminishing that horror by just focusing on Christian persecution, which this passage does. Now, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to diminish the horror and evil of what we saw on Friday, but nor do I want to brush over the reality of life for so many Christians around the world, millions of Christians around the world. And nor do I want to brush over the, the, the words of God in the Bible who, who speaks of the sometimes harsh reality of following Jesus. So, if that confused you, it took me about took me a bit, a bit over a day to try to work out three paragraphs. Come and talk to me later and I'll try to explain again. I hope you understand. Okay, let's go back to 1 Peter. Do you have your Bibles open? Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, as I said, this series is jumping around Peter's adventures as the, eye, as the eyewitness to the cross and, uh, and uh, Jesus' life. 1 Peter 3's focus, our focus today, is then how do we respond as God's church to people who are antagonistic towards us? How are we to live in an antagonistic world, a world that opposes us? I'm going to ask God to help us for the next uh, little while. How about we pray? Father, we, uh, we thank you for your uh, love for us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that you're God who speaks. Lord, we pray now that you would help us to listen, help me to be clear. And Lord, we pray that we would put into practice the words that we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter 3, and there's an outline there as well in your bulletin. If you want to grab that out, that'll be helpful. Um, write some notes down. Helps you to listen a little bit, bit too and follow along. And if we get time, we'll try to have um, a bit of a Q&A at the end. We'll see how we go. Uh, we've got uh, AGM today, so I've got to try to... Can't go too long. Okay, well, the, the first answer to that question, you can see it there on your outline, is that, um, well, we are to live a life of love and unity. So in verse 8, Peter continues his snapshot of the Christian community. So you can see he started that really about halfway through verse uh, chapter 2. He's been talking about the Christian community as they gather together and their roles and so forth. And now in verse 8 he says, finally, he's finishing up this little section on the Christian community. So verse 8, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. So Peter is addressing the family of believers who are to love, uh, his example, as brothers. The word is brothers. It should stay as brothers. The, uh, some translations uh, put uh, other people. Or, but it, it's the, the idea is a family. He's talking about loving as a family. So brothers are meant to love each other. Brothers normally love each other in a regular human family. Now brothers can show their love in different ways. For example, rumbling and punching each other. That's one way some families, I don't know of a family like that, I wouldn't know, um, but some brothers show their, their love for each other like that. Um, I've got two older brothers. I love being the brother who rings the other brothers first on their birthday. I, I, I show my love for them by making them feel guilty for not ringing me on my birthday. That's how I show my love to my brothers. Um, <laughs> we'll see in a minute. How, God, how God's family ought to show their love for each other. Uh, but the point Peter makes is that Christians have to learn to live with each other just like families do. But because they are indeed a family in Christ, well, there's no choice. 
As the saying goes, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, even your church family. I heard a disgraceful story the other week. A local person starting a small church, a church that would be in a home. At one of their introductory meetings, a difficult person attended. This person was invited along by another member and they proceeded to ask difficult questions. Not sure what the questions were, but they were challenging and this person, well, was insistent. They wanted some answers. But things got a little heated and finally the leader told this person they were not welcome and that their church was full. The church doesn't pick and choose God's family. God does that. God does that. Our job is to love who God chooses to walk in that door. That's our job. So in an antagonistic world towards Christians, the church needs to love one another, even the difficult people who God chooses to walk through that door. As Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. So, back to verse 8. Let's see what this love, brotherly love, this family love looks like. Well, first thing we see here, it's harmony with one another. So, Philippians 2. Uh, if we go over there, if I put it, put it up, I won't read it all out. It's a fairly well-known passage. In humility, remember, value others above yourselves. Uh, seeking unity and like-mindedness in harmony. Singing the same spiritual key together. Uh, sure, there are some different notes, just going down that path of the musical analogy. I hope you're with me for a minute there. Uh, there are different notes. There are different parts of the body. There are different notes of the chord. You with me still? Okay, good. But when they're sung together, when they're sung together in love and unity, oh, they make a sweet sound, don't they? Well, next, they're to be sympathetic. Again, this is how God's people ought to operate, especially in a world which opposes them. They're to be sympathetic. Church needs to be a place of rest and welcome. You walk in here and you go, oh, that's good. I'm here. That's great. So being sympathetic means understanding, uh, empathising, listening, it means sharing in each other's emotions, whether they're sadness or whether they're joy or praise. 1 Corinthians picks up on that as well. And finally in verse 8, uh, compassionate and humble. So how, how do we show compassion in God's church? Here, amongst God's people. That, that's the deep concern for each other that comes from a heart that's humble. Following, when following Jesus is especially tough, the church needs, needs to be compassionate with one another. Okay, so perhaps that means in hospitality, inviting someone around for lunch, dinner, could mean that, uh, sharing a meal, cooking a meal, making a phone call, writing a card. I, 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 when I write now, I, no one can read it, I can't read it, so just be careful with that if you're like me. Write it a few times as practice and then write it out. Uh, <laughs> Writing a card, let's not lose that. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, not losing interest in other people's pain. I don't know, maybe it's just listening. We've got to be good listeners. That's, that's showing compassion, isn't it? The Christian community needs to, to have one another's backs. 
especially when it's opposed. Well, in verse 9, Peter now turns from relationships within the Christian community to those uh, with unbelievers outside the Christian community. So let's have a look at verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. It's not hard uh, to recognise Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount here, isn't it? Remember, uh, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, bless those who curse you. And don't forget, Peter was there on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, standing by the side of Sea of Galilee on that hillside, listening to Jesus preach. He was there and he's writing this letter today. Uh, Peter's point, like Jesus, is when abuse or any evil is thrown at us, we don't respond in kind. How do we respond then? Well, have a look at it. We respond with blessing. That's how we respond. Blessing has to do with God's favour. That's an easy way to remember it, God's favour. It's not just speaking well of them, but it's asking God's favour on them, praying for them, asking God to not hold this sin against them. Remember Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, prayed exactly just that prayer. And verse 9, this is our calling. This, This is our calling as believers. As we respond in this way, we can look forward to inheriting a blessing. Remember from last week, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. An eternal blessing. Now Peter's not arguing for a works-based salvation. In other words, do this and you'll be saved. We've already seen that he's writing to those who are saved. He's writing to the elect, verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Those who are called, chosen. But here, as well as our salvation, part of that salvation is a calling to good works. For example, not retaliating with abuse when abuse is thrown at us. So as, and as we live this way, we look forward to the inheritance, this blessing that we'll receive. So Peter writes, if you're a Christian who's copying abuse, being insulted and being targeted by evil, then these words are what you need to hear and remember. Not only are we reminded again of our sure and certain inheritance, our eternal blessing as followers of Jesus, but we're also reminded in that, that God in the end is in control, God in the end is judge, God in the end is sovereign and he and his people will be vindicated. That's what they needed to hear, these Christians who are scattered throughout modern day Turkey. Now Peter then quotes Psalm 34 which is further encouragement to his readers. Friends, we live in an age where it's easy to respond without thinking. It's easy to respond without thinking. Now, of course, mostly I'm referring to social media platforms, and I know not all all of us are on that. Uh, So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, to name a few. But most of our children are, or grandchildren are. You see, that's where, where a short, quick reply is only what's possible, or really only what's what's wanted. Long replies just don't get read anyway. This aspect of our culture today doesn't encourage thoughtfulness and patience and, of course, doesn't encourage kindness, which is just what's needed when responding to someone who opposes us, whether they've insulted you or not. Now, there's a bit of a warning here, I think. 
to not get swept up in the instantaneous culture we live in. That's not all to do with social media. The instantaneous culture we live in, which encourages a snap response. I've got to respond now or I'm left out. Got to respond, uh, whether social media or not. But instead, well, we ought to focus on thoughtfulness, patience and kindness, indeed blessing. Okay, let's, let's pick things up from verse 13. The second point in our outline, our fearlessness and suffering for Jesus. Let's read verse 13 and 14. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. So here's the reality. If you're eager to do good, most of the time, no one's going to harm you. If you're eager to do good, most of the time, it's going to be okay. But another reality is that or sometimes harm will come to the follower of Jesus just because you follow Jesus. You, you have promoted what is right, true, and as a consequence, you will suffer. Now, Peter's already touched on this, hasn't he? Uh, if you flick back, actually, I've got it up on the screen. Uh, chapter 2, verse 20. He says, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? I do like that little passage. In other words, if you're a bit of a jerk, I hope that language is okay, but if you're not a very nice person and you do silly things and do something wrong and you get beaten for it or you get insulted for it, well, you deserve it. You shouldn't have done something wrong and done something silly. How is it to your credit if you get a beating for doing something silly or saying something dumb? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, well, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, that language again, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Jumping back to chapter 3 again, let's note at the end of verse 14 the result of this type of suffering. Uh, suffering for what is right, picking up on those words from chapter 3 verse 14. The result of that type of suffering, again, as you can see it, it's blessing. Remember, blessing, it means God's favour. But the focus here is on God's favour or blessing now in the midst of suffering, as you're going through it. As you're standing up for what's right. You're standing up for Jesus, not being ashamed. Now in the midst of suffering, there's blessing. Now what's that blessing? In the midst of suffering, when you're being insulted or, or uh, to pick up some other words, harm is being uh, thrown at you, you're being harmed. What sort of suffering, what sort of blessing is that? What's the, it's the blessing of God's presence. It's the blessing of God's care and love for you. It's the blessing of knowing the gospel. It's the blessing of the hope that we have in Jesus right now. And so God says, through his apostle, do not fear. Do not fear what they fear. It's an interesting little phrase at the end of verse 14, quoting from Isaiah 8. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. So what do those who oppose Christianity fear? Interesting question, isn't it? What do they fear? Uh, perhaps if you remember back when you were not a Christian, um, I wonder what you feared. In one sense, I think they fear people. But that's not who, what we should fear. In verse 14, Peter quotes, as I said, Isaiah 8, verses 12 to 13, 
where God says to Isaiah the prophet, do not fear people, he says, fear the Lord Almighty. So then what is it that we should not fear? What are the things that non-believers fear? I think suffering as a result of people, people's responses, being unpopular, being ridiculed, fearing insults. That's what most people fear. And I wonder how often we slip into similar fears when we're confronted with an opportunity to share the gospel. We might fear the same thing. We fear being ridiculed. We fear being insulted. We fear being left out. Well, verse 15, but instead, have a look at verse 15. Note the but, it's a contrast to what we've, we've just read in verse 14. We are to fear God. It says, in our hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. The word is actually revere Christ as Lord. It comes from the, the concept of fearing the Lord in, in what we read in Isaiah in parts of the Old Testament. In other words, set apart Christ as Lord, the sovereign king, creator God at all. So don't worry about people or what people think of you. What we read here is that we ought to worry about Jesus as Lord. That's whom we should fear. That's whom we will have to give an account to one day. Let's read verse 15 to 17 and we'll come back to this idea. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, I was never a Boy Scout, a cub, or a girl guide, for that matter. Um, one of them, <laughs> one of them has the the the, the uh, motto: "Be prepared." I think it's Scouts. So, verse fifteen: We're to be prepared to give an answer, a reason for the hope we have in Jesus, and that'll help. That'll help with the fear, won't it? If you've got an answer. If you've got a reason for the hope you have in Jesus, I think that's going to help with the fear. Think about it. Knowing and remembering the reason for my hope in Jesus, that'll help me speak. It'll help me to be bold and not ashamed. Now, could you do that? Uh, could, you, could you give a reason for the hope you have in Jesus? I know you're thinking, which is good. If you're a follower of Jesus today, if I gave you three minutes, could you turn to the person next to you right now and give a reason for the hope you have in Jesus? Don't worry, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but could you do it? I, I won't ask you to do it. But in verse 15, God does ask you to be prepared in that way. There's an old story about a, um, a group of people who visited an oil refinery. Uh, the tour showed them all the ins and outs of the processes, you know, the chambers and the pipes and the heating vats and all that sort of stuff, everything to refine oil. As the tour ended, one of the visitors asked the tour guide, uh, well, you showed us everything except the shipping department. You know, this type of oil refining must produce a huge amount of oil and petrol 
but you haven't shown us where it is, um, where it's put into containers and then shipped out again. And the tour guide answered, well, you see, we don't have a shipping department. Everything produced in this refinery is used up as energy to keep the refinery going. See, friends, um, the church doesn't solely exist to keep ourselves going. Uh, in one sense, yes, that's part of things, for sure, where to equip each other and mature each other in Christ. But just as much, God wants to use us to share about the hope we have in Jesus. Now, there's quite a few ways that you can, be, um, uh, you can share the gospel, uh, quite a few ways you can be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. Uh, well, the first most obvious way, you know, get to know your Bible. How are you going with... Um, where is it? Here it is. If you're, if you're doing these little readings, you're, going, you're keeping up. Um, I'm just there. I think I'm a day behind. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> I can catch up. That's the beauty of it. Uh, but if you're going well. I hope, you, hope you're reading. They're, they're great little readings and um, I think really helpful. Uh, it's not too late. You can always do it afterwards as well if you, if you want to. But really good little book. A lot of us are reading. Uh, know your Bible well. Learn a gospel tract. This is one way to be prepared to give a the reason for the hope you have. So I'm a bit of a fan of um, Two Ways to Live. It's been around for a long time. I like it because it's got pictures. It's great. Pictures are great. It is a bit wordy in there, but you don't, that's just to learn. But you can do it just describe, you can describe, you know, give a reason for the hope you have. You can describe the gospel using little pictures. There's pictures there. So if you want one of them, I've got heaps of them. So come and grab one. Um, there's other gospel tracks as well. They're good. Learn some verses, uh, learn some memory verses, commitment to memory. Uh, that'll help you share of this hope. It's a good plan. If you're on my Bible, it's over the page. But 1 Peter 3, 18, uh, For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Uh, I've known that verse for about 20 years. Uh, it's a great verse to keep on coming back to. Uh, Romans 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Great verse just to have to memory. John 3.16, of course. Uh, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, if you're scribbling down notes. Um, this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Um, do you say I'm showing off? <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing, I've known those verses, I only know a few, but I've known those verses for about, about I don't know, 20 years, more than that. Um, and I know them in the NIV, so if we ever change Bibles in church, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, <laughs> we'll go and get NIVs again. Um, but yeah, know them. It's good just to know them. So you're quoting scripture in front of, in, in, as you uh, give an answer for the hope you have. Um, what about two? Another thing to learn really is your story. If you're someone who trusts in the Lord Jesus, then learn your story. They say most people, this is, uh, this is true, it's true research, they say most people can only listen to one person talk for three minutes. You guys are spectacular. Um, <laughs> I think that's in the, in the context of conversation. So see if, you can, see if you can explain your story of how you became a follower of Jesus in three minutes. All right? that, that, that's a good practice to do. Write it out if you have to. And, and so you know your story. So someone, if someone asks you about the hope you have in Jesus, well, then you can say, you got three minutes? Um, you might want to start like that. But you can certainly describe that hope. How did God move you from darkness into this wonderful light? Quoting uh, chapter 2. From being alienated to God to being friends with God. What happened? How did he do it? 
and of course, you'd have to talk about the cross, wouldn't you? You'd be crazy not to talk about the cross. It wouldn't make sense if you didn't talk about the cross. And you'd have to talk about Jesus. It's part of your story. So make sure you do. Okay, and then when we do this, well, when we give an, uh, a reason for the hope we have, we're to do it with gentleness and respect. So that means we don't Bible bash, you know, so there's no aggression. Uh, we want to do it like Jesus did. We, want to, we don't want to have a must-win argument attitude. You can do that as well. And verse 16, keeping a clear conscience. In other words, your words have got to match your behaviour. Um, now, let's put it the other way around. Your behaviour needs to match your words. That's better, isn't it? Hypocrisy has got to be removed from the picture. It's got to be with a clear conscience. Uh, one more way to think about what Christians um, call evangelism, just sharing the gospel, giving you a reason for the hope we have. Uh, oh, there's the 1 Peter 3.15. Um, proclaim the gospel, promote the gospel, pray. Three Ps. Proclaim the gospel, that means with our words. So we've got to actually declare the praises of him who called us in a darkness into his wonderful light. That's one, it's chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10 there. Uh, 10 actually. No, it's nine. There you go. Uh, so we declare that our word, that's our answer that we've been talking about in 3 verse 15. So proclaim, we promote the gospel, well, with our lives and behaviour, that's the clear conscience, and we pray. We remember we pray because it's God who does the work, isn't it? It's actually not dependent upon me. And I reckon, I reckon that's a wonderful thing because sometimes I stuff it up and say stupid things. Ever been there? Oh, did I really say that? Oh, that was a bad answer to that question. It's Okay. God's got it. He's under control. Uh, God's got it under control. Uh, God makes his church grow. Uh, God does the changing of hearts. So relax and be faithful. Uh, the power is in the message and not the messenger. So proclaim the gospel, promote the gospel, pray. There you go. Easy to remember. Let's, let's tie a few things together and we'll close. Uh, we actually haven't finished the passage that we read through before. Uh, you might want to catch me later and ask me a few questions about that if you want to. Um, I wanted our focus to stay on what we're doing here. How does God want us to live in a world which is antagonistic toward Christians? Well, we've seen that we are to live a life of love and unity. We're loving the church, so loving each other, loving those outside the church in our responses, even when, the, we're, even when evil and insults are thrown at us. And we're not to fear because we know the gospel, because we know the hope that we have, the truth of the gospel. And we're to be, we're to be prepared to suffer for the gospel too and be prepared to, to give an answer for the hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. How about I pray? And then um, if anyone's got any questions or comments, uh, we'll, I think we've got a few minutes, which is good. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for uh, your word to us today. We thank you for the, the Apostle Peter who was there hearing you, Lord Jesus, on that hillside in Galilee uh, preaching about loving our enemies. Lord, we pray that, that, that as we think about how we respond to those who oppose us, as we uh, speak of Jesus, as we witness to Jesus, as we, um, uh, as we proclaim Jesus and promote Jesus, we pray, Lord, that, that you would give us the right words, you would... Uh, help us not to fear. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us by your spirit, uh, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. 
We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for the good news that is in, in, in Jesus. And we, uh, we, um, we thank you for today. Amen.